Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. Abba, I honor you and I just ask that you open the heavens and let me speak your word, articulate your word, not my own, not to my glory, but unto your glory, Father. And I just ask that you open the hearts of the people here today, that this be good soil for a seed to be planted into their hearts that will reap much harvest, challenge them, edify them, and reform them. All to your glory, in the name of Yeshua, amen. I want to uh, briefly talk about um, about these Wednesday nights. Uh, it's been I, I've, I, we say this a lot coming out of uh, Romans twelve of being led by the impulses of Holy Spirit that we're not conformed to the world we're being led by the impulses of Holy Spirit and so there's been some things that, and I believe that there's going to be more things coming where it doesn't just line up perfectly. We don't have all the understanding. We don't have everything checked off and, oh, this makes sense of why we're doing this, but we're led by just the impulse of Holy Spirit that he says, I want you to be here together. I want you, I want you to come together and I want you to pray intentionally. I want you to, to gather outside. I want you to do whatever it might be. It might, it might just be randomly in the month, like I want y'all to come together on a Tuesday, but we're led by the impulses of Holy Spirit. And you can trust this with me, is that I don't want to do something just to do it. I, I, remember, I've got three kids. Eva and I run a business outside of just doing this. We're working on the, the church, the building of the church. We're working on, on the gatherings. We do all of these things, and we love it, and we're graced to do it. But because what I say that for is just know that I don't care about just coming together, just to come together and say, we got numbers on a Wednesday night. That's not this tribe. But when he leads us by the impulses of Holy Spirit... There's a point to saying, you know what? The doors are open. He's calling me to this. This isn't out of religious duty. This is out of the impulse of Holy Spirit and trusting that I need to be there with the tribe as we speak intentionally over this county, over this land, over our people. So I just encourage you to come, to be a part of that. And we are, we're gonna, this is the last Wednesday night. Uh, We'll see if it picks back up at a time, but this was a word to this house to to, to do this in the month of May. So that's what we're doing. In this, my mom, who is obviously from last week, you know, a very, very much a prophetic voice in my life and really in this house's life. Many people here who are close to her, people that aren't close to her, have received a prophetic word for her, and she's tested, tried, and true in those words. But she said to me when we first started, she said, because they've been gathering Tuesdays and Thursdays, a, f- a small group of them always praying in, 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 on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings for like run and walking and they pray and they come together and they pray over you, they pray over this house, they pray over this land. And they really felt like that, that thing was drawing us into an upper room experience. She's called these Wednesday nights an upper room style experience. Well, it's not, it doesn't escape me of the significance of the strangeness of the fact that today is Pentecost Sunday as we recognize it uh, here. And I want to read, I went back and just looked at this, and I want you to hear the mentality and the common union shared by the early church because, see, they lingered in that place. David brought this out to me recently. He said, those, you're talking about these people that were, they, they might have, they might be the doctors, they might be the business people, they might be the people that have families, and they got a lot going on, and we're just here to linger and wait until, and there can be this like, well, when's this going to take place? I know it's a, you said a, in a few days, but what, what's that mean? Because time is money, and money is time. We got to, come on, like, what's going to take place? And there was this request of linger, stay, wait. And, uh, 
And so, you, so, so they come into this place and they wait. And, and then it says that, the, that a suddenly happens. The wind of the Spirit takes over. It's this crazy, amazing moment. But listen to what it leads to here. Because I think that we, get mis- we mistake Holy Spirit for just this ability to speak in another tongue. Powerful, amazing for our life that we can pray in the Spirit, that we can edify ourselves, comfort ourselves, lift ourselves up, be built up in the Spirit by praying in tongues, not taking away from that. But it was not the whole point. It was not the end game that we're, be, we're able to be bilingual, that we can speak in other tongues. The end game was that the empowerment of Holy Spirit takes root and we start to live our lives by, this one hurts, the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you can't go back and read through that list of the fruits of the Spirit and say, that's how I live my life, I challenge you to go back and say, what Holy Spirit do I have within me? Well, those are basic. We're talking about, you know, loving kindness and, you know, all of those things. No, no, no. Those are, that's someone who has tended to the seed of the Spirit that became fruit of the Spirit. That is what comes out. So I want to read this. This is what happens at the early church. It's uh, Acts 2, verse 42, reading out of the Passion Translation. Surprise, surprise. It says this. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing in communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. Let me pause real quick, and I just want to read something I read to the worship team this morning that Henry had sent me. Uh, We're blessed to have Kevin and Jessica and Violet, Ruby and Nora all here with us this morning. And... uh, and they were out, out at the lake the other day, and, and Henry sent me this. He sent me a picture of sweet Violet on the front of a paddleboard, and it said, Yesterday I watched as Violet le- laid on the front of Caroline's paddleboard, her hand gently on the water, staring into the water in front of her, totally relinquished to the moment. Abba, let us so be unto you, relinquished to your presence in us like a child. The awe of a child to just be able to sit there on the front of a, pa- a paddleboard and just, this is this water and this beauty and being able to be singular, focused kind of mindset on things just right in front of them instead of going, oh, here's beautiful, oh, uh, bills and uh, oh, tax, oh man, and I forgot to do this and what if this happens and what if that happens? No, faith like a child says there are no circumstances around me. There's beautiful awestruck wonder all around me and I just call us into that as a house that that's the wind of the spirit that's taking root in this house. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miracle, miraculous signs and wonders. You understand there was communion first. What, what, what this mighty wind of the spirit came and what took place? A tribe. The joining, the communion they shared produced miraculous signs and wonders out of the apostles. Not reserved for the 12 and not reserved for just one mighty man. We're called to be those who shift the culture of our own mind and shift the culture of the world around us as, apost- as an apostolic house. Let that one sit for a little bit. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all of the people. 
enjoying the favor of all the people. I come that you might have life and life more abundantly, that you might be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That we enjoy each other's communion in our tribe. And the Lord kept adding, Benjamin loves this one, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily, but listen to how the Passion Translation says this, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Those who were coming to life. Bill Johnson has a really cool story he told one time of, a, of a, a pastor friend who was building a new church. He was really excited about it. He wanted to get in on it. He had got, you know, contracted the workout, and he was really, really stoked about getting his hands dirty and being a part of the building. So, Mackenzie, what's up? Good to see you. So he's, he's, really, he's really excited about doing this building project, and he gets in there. He's bugging the contractor. He's like, Let me, can I do something? I'll hammer a nail. I'll do whatever I can do. And he finally says, you know, uh, listen, we need 100 boards cut to 10 foot in length by tomorrow morning. He was like, heck yeah, I'm on this. I got this. So he gets out there. He cuts that. He, he gets his measuring tape out. He measures the 10 foot piece of wood, and he cuts it perfectly best cut that could have ever been done just yeah, 10 feet perfect I'm killing this puts it down gets another piece of wood takes that piece of wood and puts it on top of that one marks it goes through 100 boards later he's got boards that are 14 to 15 feet in length and the point is in that story is that if we're basing where we're at based on the last generation that came before us, we're not going back to the original intent of what Holy Spirit came for, of what he moved upon the people for, of what we're actually called into, and all we're doing is being a little bit different than the generation before and calling that the next glory. And I just challenge us to go back and listen to the heart of this people. Does it mean that we're going to come together every single day? Well, that was the early church, but maybe that's not exactly what it looks like today. But I would say that we're in continual intercession for one another. I would absolutely say that, that we have such a heart of generosity and that we actually look at each other as family and as a tribe that Yahweh brought us together. Remember, the kingdom of God is not about isolation. It's about family. It's about taking those orphans and putting them into families. It's about drawing all men together. And I think that we need to make sure that we're not looking at church or this gathering or things that we do as just what's convenient for a Sunday morning, but we truly as a tribe are being led by the impulses of Holy Spirit and that truly as a tribe, we are passionate in one accord, going after the one thing together, however that looks and whatever that means, and watch what miraculous signs and wonders start to take place in our day. But it's going to require you linger for a little bit. It's going to require us inconveniencing ourselves a little bit. It's going to require us going, you know what? I don't see a point in that. But you know what I trust? I trust what Holy Spirit's doing. So I'm going to, I'll be there. This is not to say, y'all better be here Wednesday night. I absolutely do not want that. And I absolutely, if you are like just tired out and your family has not seen you and you guys are beat down and you're coming on a Sunday morning, that's great that you have a heart, but there's nothing that's going to glorify the Father like your family being happy and joined together and there being life and a great relationship within your family. So if you need to go to Shell Island on a Sunday morning, go. And everybody do not go to Shell Island next Sunday. I would like to see you. But what I'm saying is don't let this become religious duty. Let it become a passionate thing that's drawing us together as a tribe and be something that we desire and see a point in. Let the power of the Spirit take hold in this house and not just be some fake come-together church and we check that off the list, but we truly come together in one accord. And a deep sense of holy awe sweeps over this people. 
Amen? This is the wrong notebook. So, Eva, grab my keys. It would have been a good time if you had done before that, but I got plenty to say now. Next door in the ark, on my desk in there, there's, there's a new, it looks just like this one. That's why I got it confused, but it's not this one. <laughs> turn, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. This one we have up here, so if you didn't bring your Bible, shame on you. But there's grace today, so you're able to just look at the screen. <clears throat> this, uh, what I'm going to read out of, is actually uh, very, 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 and let me add, very familiar to all of you. And this is actually the story of Mary being told that Yeshua the Christ is coming and how this miraculous thing is about to take place. And it's a Christmas story, and guess what? It's May. Do not... Do not reserve the story and the miraculous wonder for Christmas only. I love it. I love during Christmas. I love singing the whole songs. But if you ever want to get a good worship song, go listen to some Christmas music. You know what I mean? Like go back and sing Joy to the World, Noel, all of these great, powerful, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him, my favorite one. But don't reserve those moments, those things for just Christmas. I mean, go back and let, yes, Mary and Joseph, that, that's, we'll read a little bit about that today. Thank you, my love. Um, we'll read a little bit about that today, but don't, not just Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth and Zechariah and John, the wise men, powerful, powerful, Yeshua's baby dedication, Anna and Simeon and their reaction to him. It's so powerful. His 12-year-old self confounding the wise already. Why is that so important? Well, I know that the prophetic voice in this house, one of the prophetic voices in this house, a prophetic voice to me, Benjamin Nicholson, prophesied a word of the Lord over this house that this house would be marked for three years by his presence. An increase of his presence. The presence of Yahweh is the obvious he is present. Emmanuel, God with us. Starting to sound like some biblical accounts here that he's, and, and now, now see, Yeshua, Yahweh is with us, but it also means face. When the Bible says presence, the word there is actually face. It's the face-to-face encounter that David always talked about. It's the setting the Lord before you. And what takes place as we shift our refer, we reform ourselves and we turn our trajectory towards the heart of the Father and we're facing him, what happens is this crazy miraculous thing where Papa God starts to turn his face towards us. This is actually the favor people talk about in the Bible when it says, if I find favor in your eyes. Literally, people thought when they saw the presence of the Lord, people were favored because his face, his attention, his focus had turned towards him. So what's Benjamin saying? Benjamin's saying that literally as we have set our hearts to be about the one thing he set his heart to be about us. And there's this turning and shifting that's saying, I'm going to let my favor fall upon this people to walk in so, such miraculous signs and wonders, to walk in such a degree of my presence that it's going to start to transform their hearts and transform the world around them. It's not just, oh, we're going to sing good songs on Sunday mornings. This is a daily kind of love. This is something that we put, we, we shape our entire lives towards this aim, this focus, three years of presence. And his presence doesn't go. It's just then the next three years, there's a built on thing of prayer. And then another three years of a built on thing called power. Now we can say those are just good words Benjamin came up with, or we can trust him as a prophetic voice in this house and line up our Feet, our eyes, our hearts to that word. And I, for one, am there. So that's why I want to go back and look at the account of the announcement 
of Yeshua coming because in a lot of ways there's an announcement of him not coming in a rapture theology coming alive in us coming alive in this people and I want to look at how those in the Bible responded to this beautiful weighty powerful moment in history good so with that we're going to start Luke 1 verse 26 The Passion Translation, because it's more passionate. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman. For the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Now, we can just pause right there, and we could preach from that the entirety of the rest of the day. Because if you've been here for any time at all, especially within the past year, especially within the past three months, every single word basically in there pops pops out at you. We got grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, the presence of God. And so you are anointed with great favor. No, that's just me. I'm the only one that's been listening to the messages. Last week, or no, I guess it was two weeks ago. I spoke this uh, message, Holy Spirit inspired message, because in my mind, what I was speaking about, I had no idea what it had to do with. I just knew that it was one of those things, like one of those weeks where I'm writing all this stuff, I'm talking to the guys, I'm pumped about something, and then all of a sudden it's about Saturday night and Yahweh goes, yeah, let's speak on this. And I'm rewriting, staying up, doing all this kind of stuff, and he just shifts, and that's, that is the lifestyle I want to live because it's the only lifestyle I actually can operate in. I didn't get here by myself. There's no possible way for me to do it without him. So if he says move, I'm moving. But so this, I, I'm speaking though, and it's hard to even have this spirit of like conviction about it. But the word is about this thing about talent and gifting versus anointing and grace. You see, We don't have to be gifted in order to be anointed. In fact, if you want to look at historical accounts, biblical accounts of this, when someone is anointed by Yahweh, it's it's most likely, in most cases, the most unlikely story. But see, we always throw gifting and anointing right into the same thing. See, you don't need to be gifted to be anointed, but you need to have gifting after being anointed. But it's a grace gift. It's an impossible thing. It's a reliance on him thing. And so there was this, there was this whole deal, like, so uh, anointed. So I'm going to break down these definitions a little bit so that we can, we can read this properly. But anointed is, is in Hebraic culture. I've said this a bunch of times, so this should be a uh, rehearsal for you. But, but uh, anointed is, they did three things in the Bible. The three main things that anointing oil was used for was one of those things were for medicinal purposes, health like we do now with essential oils and all you gypsies out there that use the essential oils to like make everything better. <clears throat> but they had these medicinal properties that they used the essential oil, or <laughs> see, look, they used oils for, uh, and, they, and, and so there was that. They also, it was for um, an, an honor thing. There was a tradition that they, when someone came into someone's house, they would honor them. They would just say, like, welcome. I think that would be weird in our culture if you walked in and just hit somebody with a little bit of, you know, what is a, what's a good one? Eucalyptus. You know what I mean? That would be strange. But what they did is they would anoint them, and they just, it was a welcoming and saying, come into my house. But the most significant and the most vital and the most important thing that anointing oil was used for was as a way of consecration. You know this because someone like a David, Samuel came and poured the horn of oil over him. It's, it's, this, it's this mentality uh, of the Psalms 23 that says you make a table before me within the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. 
Meaning that within all of these circumstances and all these things swirling around you, I am going to anoint your head, pour oil over your head, anointing you, calling you, consecrating you unto me. And if you can do that, if you can sit here and we just share in face-to-face communion at this table, I'll fill your cup and it will never stop running over. My goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. But there's a consecrating, there's an anointing oil that's poured over the head of someone. And so we, we, had, we had two weeks ago where, where I'm speaking about this and it's, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I felt so strange giving it because I didn't know where Yahweh was going. But he has a point to this whole thing. Like he, like he is, it's so crazy to me when sometimes I feel like the least amount of pull from you, that sometimes I feel the least amount of like, what, what am I, what am I doing right now? What am I speaking? Where am I going? Yahweh, what you want me to do? I'm reading what I feel like you've given me, but I just, I'm not even feeling it. I don't know that I can aim in myself. And all of a sudden he goes, all right, that's good. I needed that to get to this point. And he anoints a Tara to come up here and start to speak specifically to certain people. But if she didn't have that word that seemed insignificant to me, she wouldn't have that ability to say, outside of my own talents and giftings, I'm stepping into this anointing, this call, and using, utilizing the grace to call out these things. So it all of a sudden became this impetus to what the Lord wanted to do all along. And then he brings up David. Now, here's the thing about this renaming thing. It's weird, okay? Really, really, really strange. We make a bigger deal about it, though, like within our own selves, because really what it is is a death unto what was and accepting the new thing he's stepping us into. Now, biblically, there's men in the Bible, such as Gideon, who is hiding the wheat in the wine press and is, oh, little Gideon, you know, like shying away from the enemies around him. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes and calls him a mighty man of valor. And he's sitting there going, me? You will defeat these armies as one man. I'm the least. Exactly. But sometimes our talents and what we think we're good at and what we're not good at can be the most detrimental thing to our calling. Speaking of that, think of David. David was a good little shepherd boy, right? He was a great shepherd boy, apparently knocking out lions and bears and all kinds of things. And he was a baller, could absolutely be a shepherd for the rest of his life. Just kill it, do fine, live a good life. But then the good little shepherd boy is anointed and called out of something that you are called to be a king over Israel. Because you're a man after my own heart. You're my beloved. And if David sits there and goes, (laughs) no, 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 no. I'm, I'm I'm a little shepherd boy. I can't do this. There's no possible way for me to do this. So I'm going to keep doing this because I can, I'm talented at this. This comes natural. Why are people in the world talented? Why are people in this world able to produce finances that, that, are, that are really evil people, people that are skilled and they can do all these amazing things, but yet they don't honor Yahweh? What is it? The world has talent. It's nothing new. Because my Bible says that every man and woman was created in the image of God, meaning we all carry a piece, a DNA piece from heaven. And I believe that whether you acknowledge it or not, there are talents and giftings that you have just because you came from heaven. But there's a difference when he gets you here and he says, I'm anointing you. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. And so he calls the shepherd boy out and he calls Jeffrey into Davidic worship, into the name David. So there's times with the Gideons where he can say, this is a change in your nature. It doesn't mean that everybody in the world has to change their name, which seems to be the wave that happens in religious cultures. That's not this. And until he received that and his wife receives that and they say, yes, that's the word unto us, then it's just 
words until that word becomes flesh. But there are times in the Bible, many times, where you have a, a, a Saul to Paul, right? A Simon to Peter, a Jacob to Israel, where they literally go, I need to put, Yahweh comes in and says, I'm going to put a hard stop here. Okay, because the life that you were called to in this time, I know you and I know your heart. And I know that if I allow you to go back to Jeffrey, you won't operate in the things that I've called you into in the Davidic worship. If I allow you to stay as Jacob, you'll wrestle the identity of Israel the rest of your life. And I love you too much and care too much about you to just make things convenient and comfortable and worry about what your mom's gonna think and worry about what your friends are gonna say and people calling you religious and all those things. Guess what? Yeshua walked the same story. But he's called you, David. He's called you to a place outside of your talent and ability, and he stirs Jeffrey in that day. You remember this, if you were here a couple weeks ago. He starts to stir Jeffrey's heart to where he's apologizing. And you guys, we should be rising up and rejoicing because there's a mantle being placed on the leaders of this house. There's a mantle, a new identity, a new thing that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man. What he's about to open up in this place through some of his prophetic Davidic worship. Doesn't mean he becomes David of yesterday. It means he becomes the beloved man after Yahweh's own heart. And he can't go back and say, well, when I was Jeffrey, I did this whole thing. He steps into a new day and says, I'm David. I'll respond to this word according to this word. So it says grace to you, which grace is not just what we think of grace as. It's so, so much more than how we think about grace and mercy. We throw them in the same thing. There's a difference between mercy and grace. Grace, to me, is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit to walk things out. It's the faithful is he who called you who also will do it. It's the not me, it's him. It's the Christ within me, which is the hope of all glory. That is the grace that blankets over us in times when we're anointed. You don't step into anointing with your gifting. You step into anointing with complete surrender. And then the grace comes in with the grace gifts that you need to see that thing through. I'm a testimony of that. I've said it many times and don't need to say it again. But if it weren't for him, if it weren't for his anointing and then his grace gift, I wouldn't be speaking to you today. Knees knocking Teeth chattering, cold sweats. Last in my class in sales school whenever we had to do the presentation stuff. Terrible. Didn't last as a salesman. Don't know if you knew that. Grace to you. Holy Spirit empowerment to you, young woman. For Yahweh is with you. For his presence is with you. God is present. And so you are anointed, being called out with great favor, with a great tangible manifestation of presence. That's favor, tangible manifestation of presence. So slowly, once again, grace to you, Holy Spirit empowerment to you, young woman, for Yahweh is present and you are being called out with a great manifestation, tangible manifestation of his presence now she understood this if we heard that an angel of the lord come and say jeremy grace to you young woman i mean young man (laughs) grace to you young man for the lord is with you and so you are anointed with great favor there's a hallelujah there's an amen but see she that's because we've got gotten pretty far away from the standard of what his word is to us his word is not a tool for us to get what we want and need right? His tool is an invitation into his will. His word over you, did I say his tool? His word over you is an invitation into his will, into not my will, but your will, into heaven on earth, into being that oracle or being that vessel in which his will flows into the earth. That's what his word's for. So she understood this as a young Hebrew woman, and 29 says this, Mary was deeply troubled, Right? 
we know this story as, you know, Mary's getting Jesus. Like, you're getting a baby. Like, this is hallelujah, happy talk. But she knows what those words and what the revelation has come through this house meant to her. And she immediately said, it says, Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. What this may mean for her. David could have stayed David the shepherd boy. What could this mean? I could lose my head on the battlefield. Or save me from this hour or for this purpose I was born for this hour. Before I was me, I was me within your arms. Before you formed me in my mother's womb, you anointed me. You knew me. And so you form me into the image of Christ you need to form me into. Whether that's a call into something that I have no talent and gifting or ability to do, or, or it's something that I seem to lean towards. Whatever it is, even like I was talking to Zach today, Zach is gifted and talented in business. Doesn't mean he didn't work for it. The man works harder than most people. But there is another level. There is another level. If it's in that arena, there's another level he wants to bring him to. And there will be no fulfillment. There is no glory without a testimony. There has to be another step, another level that we're raised to because we're meant to be glorifiers of the, of the Father. It's got to be otherworldly. Remember, if your dream is not impossible, it's not a dream. It's a good idea. A lot of people have good ideas have good businesses. It's those things that inconvenience you. It's those things that he calls you out of into something that's glorious, that seems absolutely impossible. That's what his word does. And as a young Hebrew woman, like I keep saying, she understood the weight of being called into something. And see, we as churches, we are, we're Elisha's all day long. Give me the double anointing. But we want the double anointing, the double call without the double focus, without the one thing focus. It's not in the chariots of fire. If you can look at me and have an uncommon focus, I'll give you an uncommon call. Because it's what you'll need to walk and to have the weight on your shoulders to walk this word out. So she's seeing this. It says, uh, she, uh, Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his, uh, on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. Mary said, but how could this happen? This is what I love about this story is we, I, we, we uh, elevate in some ways as we should, but we, uh, we put people in the Bible up in this place of like, this, that's not today, that's Mary. Mary, mother of Jesus. Like that's, you know, of course, Mary. But I love how if you actually read the story and you put yourself in her shoes, she's going through Mosaic law and how people are going to respond to her and what this could mean to her and how this is going to inconvenience her and all the questions that's, ar that's arising in her heart. And those things are not bad, right? This is a natural process and even a natural dying process of our own mentality of how we're going to live our life. Mary said, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. Not a whole lot of explanation there, but it sounds amazing. There's no natural answer. There's no natural, like we can just write this down and this makes sense. And we're such a please like make this make sense to me kind of culture when we really just need to be a yes culture. 
We always have to figure out, is this theologically correct? Does this go back to like whenever Apostle Ball was here and he taught this? Is that exactly how this thing's supposed to line up? No, it's not. Today is a new day. We're founded on the foundational things. But if you're not willing to hear a fresh word of what he's doing today, and I can tell you right now, that doesn't dishonor Miss Shirley. I've talked to Miss Shirley and she is such a fan of what Yahweh is doing in this house. But if we have to gauge everything off of yesterday, we'll never move into tomorrow. We'll never move into what he's calling us to today. Stop trying to figure out if this is right or wrong and be led by the impulses of Holy Spirit. If eye has not seen and ear not heard, then that means eye hasn't seen it, nor the ear has heard it, meaning it won't make sense to today. What's more, your aged Aunt Elizabeth also, has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. The old identity that was labeled as the barren one is now in her sixth month. And she says this, not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible. Doesn't end right there, Kevin Garnett, Garnett. It doesn't end right there. With God, all things are possible. With him. With his empowerment of Holy Spirit, no things are impossible. That means no things are impossible. With God. Then Mary responded saying this, yes, this is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. I love the Passion Translation, but there are some things you just got to go back to the old language that just make it so much more powerful. And it says, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Sometimes I just wonder in my own life, in all of our lives, when's the last time that we looked and faced a decision, faced an, uh, uh, an uncertainty, an impossibility, and we said, be it unto me according to your word. Not, not good ideas that get us through this life. Be it unto me according to your word. Last week, Eva ministered to us. And if you were there, I guarantee you were ministered to. If not, let's go ahead and check that pulse and make sure we don't need to be revived. Not necessarily just out of what she spoke. What she spoke was powerful, but the presence that she bought, uh, brought of just genuine, authentic, what she brings every single time. And there was a gate that was opened up into some of the ingredients and some of the essentials for this new day that we continually are stepping into. I thought 2020 was a new day. Yes, and so is now. We're constantly ever increasing from glory to glory. But Yahweh gave me this, that there were three, three areas, three areas that every believer should be doing with the word of God. And this, this morning, is going to be a very practical, it's 11.33, you good. This is going to be a very practical, 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 take home with you, live your life by a word that I feel like Yahweh's given me and has impacted my life is as far as living my life in this mentality of be it unto me according to your word, treating the word like a weighty thing and not just a good thing of like, do I buy, do I buy the car or not? I think I should. I think that's his word. Amen. Amen. No, that I have to live my life according to his word. It, it, takes, it should require you. Remember the, the impossibilities. We're called to impossibilities. Well, I'm 75 years old. I'm 82. I'm four. I'm, it's impossible for him to give me something now. Now we're talking. 
We're in the right realm. It's impossible for him to do something new in you today. Step into that and say, amen. That's what I'm called to is the, the realm of the impossible. The unlikely story. But here's the three things. Is number one, we should be rehearsing the word. We should have things written down that he's spoken to us like Eva did last week and be able to go back and rehearse those words he's given to us. Number two, we should be reading the word of God, the living word of God. We should be reading this. Number three is that we should always be open to and listening for a present ongoing word of God. Three areas. Let's say it again. Rehearse the word, read the word, listen for an ongoing word. I haven't quite got that third one didn't roll off the tongue as good. We'll get there, but you got it. So rehearse the word. Rehearse the word like what Benjamin gave us. What my mom gave us. What Eva was doing is going back and saying, what is it that, that is the word to me and how do I line every single thing up according to, it's confusing me, according to what, what it is that, that Yahweh is speaking to this house. I just want to get on track and then we will we'll come off of this for a minute, but I want to be on track. <sighs> Okay, good. Okay, so with Benjamin, his word over us, I, I really feel like, and really what Eva did last week, let's just start there. Where, where Eva, what Eva did last week is she, she brought words that were from the past, right? But that is a prophetic word, right? So when someone gets up here and speaks prophetically over you, when someone gets up here and speaks prophetically over the house, when someone speaks just directly to you, that's a prophetic word. And typically, it comes in seed form. Henry over here, Uncle Henry, as my kids call him, talk a, he talks a lot about the seed. And see, a lot of, I've had people come to me and say, I've, I've had the word come to me that I have healing in my hands. I, I've, Yahweh's spoken to me and said that I'm about to step into some of the most restful days I've ever had. I, I, I feel like I'm being called into finance. And because that thing didn't happen right away, because you went and prayed over somebody and they weren't healed, you just throw that out because you don't see it as a seed form. And there has got to be attending to that prophetic word by rehearsing. And whenever I go and pray over someone and I say, Yahweh, you said I have healing in my hands. I'm going to let my faith explore that word. And I'm going to pray over this person. Oh my gosh, it didn't work out. But guess what? I can go back and rehearse this word and say, no, no, no. I know exactly what you said to me. You said I've got healing in my hands. So next one, let's go. Pray over this person because I'm led by the impulses of Holy Spirit. Someone's come to me. You've brought them to me. I'm going to pray over them. Oh, that didn't work out. Let me go back to this word and encourage myself with, I have healing in my hands. This, I'm not one that typically is a healer and I don't think that thing, but this is what the word of God says to my life. And let me rehearse this again. I'm called into rest. I'm going to have sleep, like, I've had such sleepless nights and now I, I believe Yahweh is calling me into this day, this age of peace and I'm going to sleep perfectly. It's going to be great. And that first night, you're just like, oh, it's so glorious. It's, it just manifested. It's, it's powerful. And then the next night, you're up and all these thoughts are swirling in your head and you can't go back to sleep and you don't know what's going on, but you know that the Bible tells us that trials and persecutions come because of the word. But it also says that you have everything you need within that word to fulfill that word. All of the empowerment you need. So I have a restful night of sleep. Well, guess what? I go back and I just rehearse that word and it says, nope, nope. Yeah, it says that I'm, I'm being called into rest. But there's going to be a time of rest. So I'm just going to continue to stay in communion, continue to guide my, my life by the word. Remember, be it unto me according to your word. 
Not my good ideas, not my good concepts, not my things that seem to work out and make sense, not the things that I'm talented at, the things that I've been anointed to be in, the things that Yahweh will provide the grace for me to walk out, but it's going to require us tending the soil. He provides a seed where we, where we tend the soil. And here's the cool thing about a seed. The seed has this powerful thing. I, I learned it in my dad's biology class when I was a kid. It's called a seed coat. And what a seed coat can do is a powerful thing that like it can exist. A seed can exist for thousands of years by itself. Not growing, it's just a seed. Just stay there. But the seed coat has receptors to get into the soil and and figure out, is this good soil to grow in? And if this has all the minerals and the nutrients and the things that I need for me to grow, then all of a sudden what happens is that seed just pops up. No. There's a root that goes down deep. That's called rehearsing the word. When you, all of a sudden, that, that you've been in communion, you've been watering that ground, and that soil is ready for the word he gives you, you give it time. It's called seed and harvest, you give it the time it needs to germinate and to root itself so that then all these little receptors go back into that soil and start to pull from all of that good soil of your heart all the things you need to grow. Why hasn't he spoken something new to me? Why, why, don't, why don't I have a new word to go off of? Well, first off, don't jump into the next glory without fulfilling the glory he's had you in. Don't be worried about waiting. But the Bible always also says that Yeshua even told his disciples, he says, I have so much more I want to say to you, but right now you couldn't bear it. And there are times that we don't have the structure and the stability to hear a new word until we've actually tended and rehearsed the soil of the words he's given us because those were meant to be building blocks for the next word he wants to give you so if you feel like you're in a place of like what is Yahweh speaking to me what is the word I challenge you to go back to look and rehearse the word sit down relax and talk to God as pastor Chuck told us the things Two is something like Jonathan spoke about this morning. He was talking about don't let these foundational things, these basic things become whatever to you. We operate out of the word of God. It's what we're called to do. And there's very practical things he gives us in the Bible to lead us into the next phase of this to read the word there's practical things within the bible that teach us how do we make good soil rejoice always pray continually and in every single circumstance give thanks the bible tells us that it's the kindness of the lord that leads men to repentance It's the kindness of the Lord that causes people to change the way that they think. And we always think that if I show someone kindness, kindness, it's going to change the way that they think. Yes, 100%. I believe that it can change the way that they think. But even if it doesn't, the kindness of the Lord changes the way that we think. It's the kindness of the Lord that changes the way that we think. So why? It's just love, thanksgiving, gratitude, kindness, What's the point? It's because you need to repent to change the way that you think for the kingdom is within reach. We have got to come to the place where we lead, not after we get through all of our justifications, but we lead with love, that we lead with the, with the kindness of the Lord that leads us to change our hearts and to let go of what can be poison. And what can kill us? It's gonna go by, it's gonna come by way of rehearsing the word and then reading the word. This is something that becomes so like religious, I feel like, in our day, that this is just words on a page that took place, you know, thousands of years ago, and it's it's good, but it's not present. It's not true. It's called the living word for a reason. And I promise you, I've read scriptures 
that I've read a million times come back to them today and it means something completely different because Holy Spirit makes these things alive to us. And when we have good soil for that seed to rest in, he goes, okay, now, now I had a bunch of things I needed to speak to them. Now I can speak it through this word. I want you to look at the stories in this Bible and read the impossibilities and let that be the, be the, 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 the foundational things that you walk your day out by. Basic beans, but not the news and not Facebook. Those things are so easy. My mom used to say, and every Southern mom of, of, of our day has said this, but you are what you eat, which isn't true because I'm not a giant chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> but you're either going to feed on his faithfulness or you're going to feed on something else. Your mind is always feeding, meditating night and day. It's how we were designed. It's how we were wired. And you're either going to feed on the faithfulness of what he's done in rehearsing the word, in rehearsing the living word. You're either going to feed and say like, this is what's, this is more real than what's happening right now. Or you're going to feed on today's circumstances. It's, it's just, it's, it's plain and simple. It's, that is exactly what's going to happen. You're either going to be feeding on Facebook and feeding on the news and feeding on the pandemic and feeding on the day and feeding on the injustices of this world or how you were designed. You ever realize how when you do those things, you feel like absolute crap? Excuse my language. I don't know if you're allowed to say that in church, but you, you, you feel like terrible right you feel terrible because you were not wired or designed as a believer as a son and daughter of God to operate based on what the world operates off of it's basic it's obvious but we do not lean into the feeding on the faithfulness if we're reading if we're consuming this word the word the living word of God you are what you eat and uh my buddy Jonathan tells, he talks about, he reads Bible stories to his kids at night. He reads them, he reads them Bible stories. Uh, the favorite is King Josiah, you know, in all humility, <laughs> but he's King Josiah. And so he, he reads, he reads them these stories and there's, there's such beautiful power in that because those kids are going to be exposed they are going to be fed whether you keep them in your house all day long and, you know, and don't let them out to see sunlight. They will be fed by interactions of this world. We're in this world. We're just not of it that are going to be fed to them. And if we are not creating a counterculture within their hearts that, say, that says today uh, or last night or whatever it was that Frank's sitting there telling them, talking to Jessica about, uh, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he's like talking about his favorite part when the fire gets lit up and the people kind of fall in it, you know. But not them. And she goes, do you remember the part about the fourth one? That it's like, it was like a son of man, they, 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 uh, the son of God walking within the fire with him. Do you remember those things? And it seems simple, but what is it doing? It's instilling in their young brains that there is absolutely a realm called impossible that we were designed to walk in. So let's read them these stories and not just stories of the world. There's good, I'm not, it's not this whole thing of just shut out and close yourself off and be a little good Christian. It's saying, let's start to operate and live our lives based on the word of God. This is not some honky whatever book. That religious people do. Read about Yeshua and how he walked this planet and then say to yourself, it's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. Read scriptures that say, that say it's the same spirit, not a little bit off, but the same spirit that brought Christ back from the grave now resides and quickens my mortal body. 
not me, not my talents, not my giftings, the anointed ones that were called to be and understand that it's going to require a grace that we've never seen before, that you don't have currently, but in communion, he starts to deposit the grace gifts we need to walk and see this thing through. My own personal journey with the Bible I had written down here is, is I read a lot out of the Passion Translation. You guys know this. I read a lot out of the New King James. I read a lot out of the NIV. I, there's, you can get whatever Bible does it for you. But for me, I, I started in, in a time where I was completely just, I don't, I don't really know what was going on in my life, to be completely honest with you. I was just, I felt so empty, didn't really know where I was going. And I can't remember what exactly scripture it was, but it came up on, uh, on like Facebook or something. And someone had put, in, put something about the Passion Translation. What's the Passion Translation? So I go and look it up. And my wife ended up getting me like they have this one, but they have all these little booklet things too. And so I had this whole thing of like booklets, which was kind of cool because I could just read through them real quick. And so I'm like reading them and how it's, and, and what this does is it takes the Aramaic, the Greek and the Hebrew, marries a lot of the words together and tries to come up with the, with the most uh, accurate description of what was being spoken about in that time. And so like I, I was read it and I'd go to the footnotes and I'd read over that stuff and I was like, man, I never saw it that way. And it opened something that was such a well-worn rut, like I say, to a whole new thing. And then in that time, before Damon was a part of me at all, and I just kept hearing the name Damon Thompson in my spirit, y'all know this story, but before that ever came up and that was a thing, I didn't even really know the guy anymore. I started, I, because of Apostle Aaron, said, he said, start, you, you just listen to him. I don't know why you're hearing his name. I don't know what's going on. Just do it. And I start to listen to him and he's reading out of the Passion Translation and I'm able to go down and rehearse the words that Yahweh was giving me and say that lines up exactly. And before I ever knew I was gonna be called to this place, Yahweh was instilling a trust in his word in a time I didn't know what I was gonna need it for. So there's a prophetic word because you don't know. And it's so vital and important and significant for us to go back and to rehearse the word and to live our lives according to that word and according to this word. And we've got to be doing that for our kids. Honor you guys for doing that. And just increase it. Neva and I need to increase that and to do these things. But this is how we're going to raise this tribe. And that... This is meant to propel us into a deeper relationship with him. Meaning the third thing is always be hearing an ongoing word. You got the Abraham and Isaac is a classic story for that depiction. The word is not here to be religious. The word that he gives you is meant to make you completely reliant on him, to not lean on your own understandings, but to trust him in all of his ways, acknowledge him in all your ways, acknowledge him. That we're to put such surrender and such trust and such value in him. It's not about the word becoming religious to us so that we say, no, 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 forget that. I don't need to hear anything else because he gave me this word. He gave me this word. Yahweh, thank you. I'll take it from here. We need to be close enough in communion with his heart and communion with the tribe and communion with those around us that he's put in our lives so that when he goes and waves a little red flag and says, wait, we're not so de dead dogmatic about the word he's given us that we're going to, nope, I'm going to walk this one out. Sorry, no, y'all hush. I got this. I got this. No, it's a reliance on his word currently and his spirit that says, wait, Jaira, I've got this. I'll provide. I know that was the word to you today, but listen to the still small voice Listen to the provision. Listen to what I'm providing for you today and don't be stuck on things of yesterday if I'm speaking a new word to you today. Amen? The Bible tells us that we are not to live on bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means we live today because he is presently speaking. 
See, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we survive, we thrive, we live today because he is currently, presently, powerfully speaking today. And the word can do multiple things in our life. The Bible tells us, we're, we're going to wrap this up, but the Bible talks about this being life to us. Obviously, like I just said, it's, the, it's, it's words of life to us, but it also washes us. We're to be washed in his word, as Ephesians says, that we wash our wives with the word, like Yahweh uh, or Yeshua washed his church. Like there's, there's this depiction of that we can be cleansed by his word. And so if we have gone down that path of sitting there and, uh, and, and, and looking at Facebook or doing all these things genuinely ask I do this Yahweh wash me with your word wash me with your word and how do I get washed with his word bam 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 I'm a little gossy up here right now We have to be willing to say, I, I, something's not right. We're sensitive enough in our spirit to say, something's not right. I need a good, thorough washing with the word. It's also the thing that illuminates us, that in him, the word of God, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Nothing was created with him, nothing, uh, that, that everything was created, everything was created with him, nothing was created apart from him. In him was life, and that life was the light So the word was light. It illuminates us. We've been talking about the Isaiah 60 radiant ones. His word starts to light us up and to make us a city set on a hill that can't be covered. It makes us the ones that our internal light, our internal world starts to shift culture around us because we have tended to our garden. Remember I said before this world made us consumers, we were gardeners. That's how he designed us. He designed us to be able to tend and keep the words he's given us, to tend and keep the land that he's provided for us, to tend and keep the heart he's given us. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.